Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. What a week from one extreme to the other, the ups and the downs, and all kind of centered around this WASDE report that we saw out on Thursday. We're going to talk details of what's been happening in this grain complex with Jeff Peterson. He is with Heartland Farm Partners, and I think that's where we need to start. What were some of the highlights that you saw from, from this week's report? Well, you know, as we sit back and look at it, there's a few things that kind of stood out to us. Some of them was like, hmm, that's funny. They didn't change that or they did change certain items. But the first thing, you know, we didn't see anything on the increase in the soybean exports. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along. Why? Uh, we did see uh, U.S. soybeans, the crush increase, about 15 million bushels. We didn't think we'd see that demand item. We thought that the ending stocks would go lower, but it was good to see because crush demand has been going along at a very strong pace. The other thing, um, on the Chinese corn imports, they did increase that to 137 million bushels. But the thing that was interesting about that, Susan, is it didn't result in any type of increase in, in exports coming out of the United States. Um, it looked like they increased Ukraine about 1 million metric tons. That'd be about 39.5 million bushels of production. So they did increase their exports slightly to pick up some of that extra demand that China has. So we still think that that situation on Chinese imports has to be dealt with. Just as kind of a side note on that, though, Susan, that's going to put them at about 16.5 million metric tons of imports. That will be by far a record amount of imports going into China. So we'll have to continue to watch that. Our our information would kind of show that I think they've already got on the books uh, more imports than that. But we'll see in future reports that WASDE puts out. The other thing that kind of stood out to us is on the global feed side for wheat, they increased that demand to 147 million bushels. And I guess as we sit back and we think about that a little bit, what that's telling us is that they think uh, between the basis and the futures price on this corn, and also with the uncertainty we have coming out of South America, prices are going to come up on corn high enough that it does allow us to go ahead and price more feed wheat across the globe into the ration. So that was a few of the things that we noticed out there, Susan. Well, you talked a little bit about exports, Jeff. How are things looking demand-wise when it comes to corn? You know, it is looking good. As we take a look at the corn numbers, and this had been out of the report that came out on Thursday on, on the export sides. Uh, so far, crop year today, keep in mind the crop year start on September 1st. So for the 2020 crop year, that run from September 1st of 2020 around through August 31st of 2021. On the books, on the export sales side, we already have 1.56 billion. And that's out of 2.65 billion is what USDA is looking for the year. So we've already got 59% of our exports on the books. Inspections are a little bit slow. We're looking for that to pick up as we're going forward. Basis numbers are holding in there very strong on the on the export side uh, at the local elevators, what they can sell at. So I do think we'll see basis continue to strengthen. And I also do think we'll see more trains getting shipped and our export shipments and inspections go up as we go forward to make sure that those are sales are actually getting moved to the destinations they need to go to. So many folks wonder what's going to happen down the road. And I know you briefly talk about this, but could we see some bigger numbers coming for corn? I do think we can on the export side, and, and here's kind of why we think that. If we just kind of break down who are those kind of major players who can export out corn, uh, U.S. is number one. And right now, the United States corn is the cheapest out there in the world on the corn side. The number two would be Brazil, and, and there's still some question marks. We know that their primary crop in which they ship out corn for exports are safrina corn crop, and, you know, that doesn't get planted, Susan, until this 
current soybean crop gets taken off. And a few things we know is that because of the dryness that happened in Matagrosso, the bean crop planting got pushed back, which means their corn crop will get pushed back, which means that's a bigger window, I would say, for U.S. exports. So we think that could come into play down the road where the U.S. could have a chance to get some better export numbers yet down the road there. So, so what about for soybeans? How did the exports look? Yeah, on the soybean side, they're doing they're doing extremely well, even even better than corn. There's about 1.9 billion bushels of soybeans that we've got on the export sales side, and uh, that's actually 88 percent already of of what the total exports that USDA is forecasting uh, coming out of the latest Wagner report here that just came out yesterday. So actually, the export sales side are looking really good on the soybeans too. So why what didn't we see the increase and it just kind of stayed level playing field? Yeah, so, you know, we take a look. That's one of the things that we kind of scratched our head on there. As we said, we thought as a result of the amount of exports that that were already on the books, we thought USDA was warranted in in increasing exports. We thought it could have went up 50 to 75 million bushels. But there is another way to look at this, and we think that's how USDA is doing it. What I think they're looking at is they're saying, let's look at who can supply beans, look at who the demand is, and your primary demand factor there is China. And what they're sorting through is saying, is it that China just stepped in and these other world buyers stepped in and bought more earlier, or is it that they are going to buy way more? And so far, until ultimately we see more being shipped out of to all these, you know, to whoever bought them, uh, I think USDA has taken the kind of the stance that, well, we just think there was more that was bought earlier as opposed to maybe more bought overall. So we'll have to continue to watch that as we go forward. Did that come as a surprise to you? It did actually come as a surprise to us because as we were going along, we, we thought that the ending stock number for soybeans would come down. We did. But we didn't think it would come down because of the crush. The Them increasing the crush surprised us. The numbers would have supported that the crush should go up, but we didn't think they'd move that. We thought they were more likely to come around and actually increase the export sales side. So as a result, that was a big surprise. We've been very impressed with the shipment pace has been. So that's the other part. The inspection side has been phenomenal. As a matter of fact, for October, there was 420 million bushels shipped out. That would be a new all-time record for any month. All right, we'll stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Jeff Peterson. We're going to look more about the ethanol demand and really what's going on with the WASI report and where we focus going forward. Lots more coming up. It is the Friday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we're continuing our conversation with Jeff Peterson. He is with Heartland Farm Partners. So talking a little demand, we were talking exports before we went to break, but how are we doing when it comes to ethanol demand for corn? Yeah, the ethanol side, and, and that's an area that we want to keep a close eye on. That That's a very important segment of our demand for corn. And as we take a look at the numbers, EIA would have put out the information on what the corn use for ethanol would have been and what ethanol production was on Wednesday. And as we dig into those numbers, we can see that year-to-date, and this would be crop year-to-date, so this would be from September 1st, um, we're down 6.6% on the weekly ethanol production. And USDA has demand forecasted out of the latest WASDE report um, up 4.1%. So 
as we look forward down the road, we think this is an area that actually may need to go ahead and have the numbers reduced just a little bit on the ethanol demand side. It's also an area we have a little bit of concern with on just the margins. And what we're looking at here is that as we've got less miles driven, there's been less demand for gasoline. As there's less demand for gasoline, we haven't had as much demand actually to, to blend ethanol into the fuel. And as a result, what that's done is that's made the blend margins lower. And as a result of these negative margins, in many cases, we, we do have some plants in the western part of the state, you know, slowing up production. And that wouldn't surprise us to see it happen in other parts of the state. What we're hoping doesn't happen, though, is that we, we're hoping that we don't see some tighter, you know, lockdowns um, because of COVID. If we would, that would be one area where we would be concerned. We'd have to look at, you know, the demand actually backing off from the ethanol side. The other thing, Susan, that we're looking on the ethanol side is just what the overall build and the weekly stocks are. And as we take a look at the weekly stocks, week over week, man, looks like over the past five weeks, uh, we've actually been building our ethanol stocks. And, and that's not that uncommon this time of year. It's just that we're probably getting a little bit bigger build than what uh, we would anticipate seeing. Now, what we're hoping is that maybe some of the individuals out there know that we've got some additional export demand that's possible to come on the book. So, so we'll have to watch that to see how the industry holds together. But it, but it is kind of in, a, in our watch list right now. And I'm sure there's some nervousness, too, as well, about seeing possible plants staying mothballed and that yes. having some longer effects. Yeah, very much so, Susan. Okay, so speaking of longer-term effects, we've got WASD done. We've only got a few weeks left to 2020. What's up next for our corn and soybeans? What are going to be some of the key market watchers for them? Yeah, so as we sit back, a couple things we want to do is we just want to under, kind of understand the environment that we're working within. So we, we start off first here and look at from the technical side. It sure looks like the chart formations, well, we've still got an uptrend, at least in our opinion here, in place on the corn and on the soybean markets. We then look at the, the funds, as we call them. That's that managed money. And we'll get an update on that this afternoon from CFTC. They'll put that out at 3 o'clock. But what we're showing the fund positions here this morning, corn long, 274,000 contracts. Soybeans long, about 183,000 contracts. Chicago wheat, they're long, about 18,000 contracts. Now, that is a pullback of almost 50,000 contracts on soybeans. So they have got out of some of their longs, but overall, it still looks like the funds want to own corn and soybeans. Uh, the other thing that we get factored into all this is the South American weather. We're going to have to watch that really close. With the La Nina set up the way it is, it we got a few forecasters out there that are saying maybe we've peaked this La Nina out. Maybe we'll start seeing actually some warming of those sea surface temperatures. But regardless, what we've got is that we've got Mato Grosso has picked up some more rain, but now it looks like they could get a little bit drier. So the weather forecast in South America and actually what happens is going to be a big concern of ours going forward. And then the other thing we're going to have to watch closely is China continue to take all the big purchases that I have, they have on the book. So those are going to be some of the major items that we're going to be watching, Susan, in the short term. Longer term, though, we're going to have to keep an eye on U.S. weather, make sure we do get our profile recharged. And in addition to that, we're also going to have to start talking about that acreage battle. Um, we think soybeans probably need to bring six to seven million acres additional into production. So we're going to keep an eye on that. But that will be in a little bit longer time frame. So how do we go about determining prices when you look at where we're at for current supply and demand? 
Yeah, the best way we like like to do it is we like to take that ending stock number coming out of the WASD report and, and divide it by our total demand to get our stocks to use percentage. And once we get that stocks to use percentage, then what we're able to do is we're able to look back and say, in past years when we've got this stocks to use percentage, we're able to come up with what are reasonable price expectations. So that, that's the best way that we like to look at it from just a supply and demand side. Final thoughts, uh, best possible prices for corn and beans on current fundamentals? As we dig into that, our numbers would suggest 1325 on the soybean side, according to the stocks, the use numbers. And then over on the corn side, ours would suggest 440. So as a result, on both the corn and the soybean side, we think we're undervalued according to what the fundamentals are, at least at this time, Susan. All right, Jeff, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com. Click the sign-up button to get some of our free market commentary delivered by text or email. Or if you're on Twitter, check me out at jeffpeterson01. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss, not suitable for all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network.